Hi, this is Megan McHugh, and this is the podcast of Triple R Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy, and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website. G'day! Welcome aboard the Starship Zero G, science fiction, fantasy, and historical radio for episode number 1315, entitled Joe Biden His Time. <laughs> Our podcast title is Demon Crazy Pod, waving his hands in the air like a Muppet. <sighs> I'm Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. Welcome back, Megan. Thank you. Happy to be back and happy to be back on such a good note this week as well. Yeah, it's all going (laughs) (laughs) tickety-boo. So, Don Trump. Mm -hmm. The infamous, the man himself, yes. Why did it feel like blowing up the Death Star? (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Or, or, or that bit in the Hunger Games when Katniss goes, katoing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and look at how fast things changed in terms of just the uh, the news. Like, not I'm not cringing at news coming out of the United States, generally speaking. <laughs> generally speaking. I mean, I think there's probably still a lot of stuff to work through, both there and, you know, the whole world. But I think we can take these wins where we get them and enjoy this victory and then uh, get to work after the celebration. Yeah, in the uh, West Wing television show, President Bartlett would roll his sleeves up and say, what's next, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. And and I know we're in Australia, we're talking about American elections, but it's like, you know, who can afford to have Caligula in Rome? Yep, yep. Apart from maybe his horse. <laughs> um, you know, and I feel a little bit like we've moved out a bit out of that uh, intersection of all the dystopic novels that we've been mm. involved in like like I feel like we're a little bit a little bit out of the handmaid's tale and the fahrenheit yeah. 451 and 1984 mm-hmm. we've pushed over a little bit we're not in utopia we're not in the united federation of planets we're no. not in that sort of zone but and actually if you're in the star trek universe these years now in the 21st century are supposed to be like the crazy years anyway but you know I, I feel a little bit of a weight lifted off my shoulder. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Or my shoulders. <laughs> and, Just and the look, one shoulder. And, and, you know, congratulations to uh, Zero G's many American friends mm. and our fiends as well. But, <laughs> you know, and I've been trying not to let Trump's gaslighting spoil the moment. You know, I'm not going to – I refuse to cringe away from the – always enrage bullies fist and that sort of see what you made me do now thing because that's what they want. So I am, I'm ecstatic that enough of my US American friends stood up to him in spite of four years of foul villainy on his despicable mm-hmm. part, you know. So we can, you know, it's, we can live this moment and live at large, I reckon, yeah. for a bit. Well said, well said. No, exactly. Uh, yeah, Chris Evans and Mark Hamill have had a bucket load to say. <laughs> I, I, I just I just recommend you go and check out their Twitter feeds. No. And, and look, you know, you know, if you've made an enemy of Captain America and Luke Skywalker, <laughs> that, 
You've probably you're in not, trouble. You've probably not done the right thing. <laughs> exactly. And I do think it's it's interesting, like a lot of celebrities have played a big part. Like I know sometimes in the past it's like they people hesitate to comment on politics and things like that, but we've seen a very big, strong showing in celebrities putting their hands up, encouraging their fans to vote, really putting a voice out there of like, you know, this is what we should be doing. Uh, and so I think it is kind of nice. I went on my Instagram and I saw all the celebrations of all the accounts I follow. And yeah. uh, I think that engagement and I think getting the conversation started and then also, yeah, the adi- the Bartlett attitude of what's next, uh, I think that can only be, we can use that for good. And I think uh, there's something to be taken from that. I, I listened to Alan Alder's um, mm. Clear Plus Vivid podcast mm-hmm, and that's mm-hmm. a, a science communications podcast. And he also does some of the most magnificent on-air interviews I have ever heard. Uh, and he did one uh, recently with John Lithgow oh, of th- Third Rock to the Sun fame. And he's written several books of poetry about Donald Trump. Oh, really? <laughs> I think the latest one is like Trumpty Dumpty. <laughs> <laughs> but Alan Elder has actually, he's been very quiet in terms of actually making public statements about mm. Trump because he had done quite a bit of activism about equal rights mm-hmm. uh, a while ago now, but he said he'd, he'd been involved in it so much and so publicly yeah. he wanted to take a good break from it. But he recently did just come out against Trump. He said, he said I just couldn't sit still further. So go Hawkeye. <laughs> Best of the Avengers. <laughs> they, they won't laugh at him anymore, I'll say. Anyway, uh, I've, we've got a track here. This is how I felt about Donald Trump. Now, I did have a, a consideration about whether or not you can equate Donald Trump fairly with Hitler. Now, probably not in literal terms, and that's a good point, and it needs to be make, made, and I've made it. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, he hasn't killed as many people as Hitler, but the obvious rejoinder is yet, Mm. and there's still time. Uh, And I I felt that when people stood up to be counted, instead of Zig Heiling, because Trump is an aspirational dictator, let's let's be honest about that. He likes to pal around with them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He praises them. Yeah. And... You just got to say, if it steps like a goose, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So Spike Jones has this wonderful track, the, the great American musical satirist, a, a novelty hit back in the, uh, the 1940s. And this is the ultimate answer to people like Trump. And as was said in the Avengers movie, there are always people like Trump. This is Neil Gaiman. It's well past 2000 AD, but Tharg still listens to Zero G. A salute to the lame Donald Duck President Trump. The <laughs> <laughs> Refuer's face. Now, that came from a 1943 Walt Disney Productions animated cartoon, and obviously it was a, a propaganda piece, but I think it says it all, <laughs> really. It featured Donald Duck, actually, as a a Nazi factory worker. And he he ends up waking up from this horrible dream of being in that fascist sort of 
world and uh, he's back in the USA. And and I, it does feel a little bit like we have been wake, waking up from a nightmare. And that's Spike Jones did that interpretation of it uh, with um, Oliver Wallace originally doing the, the theme for it. Actually won an Oscar for Best Animated oh. Short Film. Oh, at, at there's the, a tidbit for you. At the 15th Academy oh Award. <laughs> it is the only Donald Duck film to receive that honour. And it's been, uh, I think they did a survey in 1994 where they voted at number 22 of the 50 greatest cartoons of all time. All right, so we'll move on now to the state of the Stark. Mm. Yes, Tony Stark, that is. Of course. Mm. It's it's an interesting question. What What was Tony Stark's politics? Well, I mean... Yeah, he had certain interests, definitely, and I think yeah. even from early, early uh, younger Tony, maybe would have had slightly different leanings to older Tony. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there are thoughts that he might have been a Republican, mm. but if so, I think he was a Californian Republican. <laughs> if you know what we mean, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. which is a, a comp- and actually a different kettle of fish. <laughs> generally. Totally. Or tonally, Different shade of red. <laughs> tonally, for that matter. All right, so moving into the state of the Stark, first off I wanted to mention a great idea that one fan suggested the other day, that Stan Lee, in his mm. cameos in all of the MCU in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, was actually old Steve Rogers. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to think back to what all the roles were. Yeah. I mean, that is some... I mean, he's dedicating himself because some weren't, weren't some of his roles like a bus driver or, I mean, some of them were men on the street. Yeah. But he has to keep a low profile. He can't interfere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course, it also works for Stan Lee being a, a watcher. So, mm. you know, that works too. But I thought it was a great idea. That's fun. <laughs> and I also was thinking, um, here's my idea. You know how we've got WandaVision? Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Okay, so I was just checking out what's up for Marvel this year, uh, mm-hmm. the rest of this year. Right now, I've just just passed um, Hulu has been showing Hellstrom, which is a, a demonic-based uh, Marvel television series. And, and as far as I can tell, it's it's one of those ones that's sort of uh, shoeboxed away from the rest of the MCU. It's right, okay. It's a supernatural horror. Cool. I'm into those. Yeah, a little bit like Lucifer, if you've seen that okay. one. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, cool. So that's been running on Hulu. Uh, the next one that should be coming up at Christmas time mm-hmm. is WandaVision. Yep, lovely. That's, that's the one, that the Disney Plus one, where uh, Wanda and the Vision seem to be living together in the 1950s and then maybe later on in the 80s as well. So it's, they're kind of sending up sitcom tropes a la Pleasantville, I think. Mm. And there's probably a good reason for that. We, th- I, I speculate that they may be imprisoned in a facility, and it's all a bit of a mental trickery. Yeah, yeah, that's my my thought on it. Either that, or it's got something to do with Wanda's chaos magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I was thinking about that, and I thought if you can do one, why can't you do other ones? Imagine Agent Carter season three, <laughs> right? Yeah which is all about Agent Carter, Peggy Carter, who is now Director of S.H.I.E.L.D., mm-hmm. along with uh, Howard Stark. Mm-hmm. And she's married to Steve Rogers, 
who's come back in time. Yes. Yeah. And she has to keep Steve's identity hidden from S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm, okay. I'd so watch that. I'm thinking of sitcom. <laughs> that premise, like Bewitched, you know? Yeah, yeah, like the kind of a cover-up, um, always trying to stay one step ahead, bumbly sitcom vibe. Okay. Yeah, there's a nosy neighbour. Yeah, of course, yep. <laughs> and and they've got to keep, yeah, they've got to keep Steve out of the 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 biz of the world, yeah. the superhero yeah. biz. But it's Steve Rogers and he can't help himself. Yeah, and also, you know, he's with the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. or whatever, so I'm sure, yeah. you know, not keeping too much distance there either. Yeah, so there's uh, there may be disguises involved. There may be you never actually see Chris Evans's full face. Yes, some shenanigans with like half face deal in, hiding in the closet at a dinner party, all kinds of things. And, and I seem to recall that um, that Peggy might have had two sons or, or, oh, okay. or, or children at least. So you yeah. know you can get that involvement as well. I just thought it'd be a great idea for a, for a series. I would watch that for sure. Yeah, exactly. My partner. Uh, Gail would definitely watch that too. <laughs> I mean, Chris Evans, you know. So WandaVision at Christmas, speaking of Christmas, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately we don't get Black Widow until May in 2021. That's been the next push-on date. Yeah, that really burns. Like I really want to watch that movie. There's so much stuff oh. that I thought I had in my grasp oh. and now it's pushed. June, pushed. Yeah. Um, Black Widow, pushed. Uh, and July 2021, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, ah, cool. the, the Kung Fu Marvel movie with the Mandarin in it. And that's finished filming. That finished filming in Australia mm, recently. Mm, uh, and The Eternals in November next year. And Spider-Man 3 coming close to Christmas in 2021. We've got also interwoven between those with indeterminate dates. I haven't been able to find out yet. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which did shut down production due to the pandemic, but cranked up again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Loki. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the What If animated series, where you do have room to have all sorts of weird and wonderful sort of adventures. <laughs> In 2022, we've got Thor, Love and Thunder. Oh, 2022, guys. <laughs> I did see some Taika Waititi uh, when they started filming again, him in his mask and things. So they're working on it, but it'll be a while till we see it. So We're not allowed to call it Thor 4. <laughs> oh, yeah, because it will be the fourth one because we forget. I forget about two, as do many people wish they could. Um, okay. All right. 2022 for that one. And in the same year, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which mm-hmm. is, which has linkages to WandaVision, and Black Panther 2, however they're going to do that. I wonder. I do wonder. I think they'll do it with respect, though. I mean, I think if I, I trust them to do it with respectfully, let's say. And Captain Marvel 2. Ah, okay. I, I'm really looking forward to all of these I films, know. even to the outlier like the Eternals, because I was a big Eternals fan uh, back in mm. the day. Uh, characters, Jack Kirby's cosmic science fiction magnificence. Just think of think of uh, all of the Jack Kirby stuff that you saw in Thor Ragnarok and multiply it by fifty. <laughs> I can't wait for that one too, but I have to. 
In 2022, we'll also have Hawkeye, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Moon Knight, and now okay. She-Hulk television series. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I mean, it is exciting to have all this good stuff to look forward to. And I do know, like, Eternals as well has an amazing director attached, Chloe Zhao. And so I'm very keen to see what she does with that story. But just the thought of how long we have to wait for all this stuff. <laughs> I, I, I yeah. just want... I don't want closure. <laughs> I want to go on. <laughs> but there's, I think there's a lot to be excited about um, and they're doing a lot of good new stuff and I really love that it's the universe is becoming more diverse. Like there's a lot of more female directors attached to some of these projects and uh, that's always good to see. So I, I'm looking forward to it with anticipation and I can be patient as required. <laughs> But, but what you don't have to wait for now are the local comic book stores to reopen. Oh, yes. Now, they've been very good to me uh, in terms of keeping mail order packages mm-hmm. going. We've discussed that before, care packages from All-Star Comics. Uh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, Kept I, you going. I've hugged those boxes when they've come to me. I could make armour out of those boxes. <laughs> <laughs> and the other day I was walking past the store with some of our restrictions here in Melbourne lifted mm. and the lights were on and I went in. And oh. I, I was like a kid in a comic book store. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> so I have some new comics to talk about. So this is the state, the state of the Stark. Tony Stark, that is. You know me. <laughs> this Who is else? My <laughs> Iron Man fetish. Uh, they have rebooted the main title of the Iron Man book. The writer is Christopher Cantwell. Now, I stress this is not Christopher Charles Cantwell, who's also known as the crying Nazi. He's an American neo-Nazi and convicted felon. Oh, okay, yes. Not him. Not Not him. him. (laughs) No. This is instead the Christopher Cantwell who's done a lot on television and in movies. So, you know, something quite... um, quite impressive there that they've got that guy. But I do have to stress that that it's not the same person. (laughs) No, Christopher Cantwell is a filmmaker. He's an American writer, producer, director, worked in film and comic books and television. He's one of the co-creators of a TV series called Halt and Catch Fire. Uh, He was the showrunner of that. And he directed the 2019 film The Parts You Lose, and his comic book writing includes uh, Doctor Doom, The Mask, now Iron Man. And he is the showrunner for the television adaptation of The Paper Girls. Oh, fun. Okay. Yep. Comic book. Yeah, so. yeah, Paper Girls. Oh, I didn't realize they were doing an adaptation of that. Yeah, they are. That's very exciting. <laughs> it is. I don't, is it, um, I don't know if they're going. It, it must be a live action one. I digress there. And the, the artist is Cafu, C-A-F-U. Now, his this pen name is uh, from Carlos Alberto Fernandez Urbano. And so he's working on Marvel Comics now, but he's done Thunder Agents uh, and a few other different bits and pieces. It's also he uh, Frank Diamata is the colour artist for this one. And VC's Joe Caframagna is doing the... The lettering on this one. The armor design for this is by Alex Ross, very famous comic book artist and a great comic book artist who I love his work. 
and the cover is also by Alex Ross. And it, it's a pretty good cover. It's got uh, – I've got two of the issues here, one and two. You know, so you've got these – these very vivid Tony Stark coming at you in the full Iron Man armor. And it's a very reminiscent armor of um, a flashback sort of armor of very retro style here going almost back to the, uh, Ooh, the Mark three, I think we're dealing with there because there was a gray suit and a gold suit. And then this particular suit, something like that. One of those, maybe the Mark four, Oh, I should say model for because in the comic books it's model suits, not mark suits, uh-huh. like in the movies. So in this one, Tony Stark is back. He's not dead anymore. Woohoo! And it is the real Tony Stark. The uh, the concept that he was actually some kind of AI simulation or mm-hmm. uh, a download, all of that turned out to be not true. This is actually genuine Tony Stark. Is he back? Yes, he is. Is he in trouble? Of course he is. <laughs> <laughs> he sort of stepped back from his company. So he's at loose ends, so he's finding himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, Janet Van Dyne, the wasp, who's been his love interest for a while, has dumped him, oh. Oh. as she should. <laughs> <laughs> so Tony settles all himself. He settles himself down by buying a new car or a new old car and hotting it up, a 1978 Dodge Aspen, and immediately gets involved in a road race, which he loses. (laughs) Oh. He buys a brownstone in New York City, has a big party, avoids responsibilities. (laughs) Right, the the whole Playboy thing, gotcha, okay. And so he decides to to go on a patrol with uh, Patsy Walker, Hellcat. Nice. There's a bit of a disparity in power levels there, but, you know, She's she's a, she turns out to be a very good uh, shoulder to not cry on but to talk over. They end up battling an old Iron Man villain called the Unicorn, and later on in the second comic, Tony ends up battling another old enemy, the Absorbing Man, who normally fights Spider Man. But there you go. Mm-hmm. And he also has an encounter with a, a villain called Cardiac. It's a very interesting vigilante villain. This one. A guy called uh, Elias Wortham, who was a physician and surgeon, and his brother died, uh, and Elias put that down to big medicine. And so as cardiac, (laughs) he has gone on to become a medical vigilante fighting against shoddy practices. So I kind of feel for this guy. Okay. All right. That's a very interesting origin story. Now, we've had environmental villains and vigilantes who are more sympathetic characters within the Iron Man comic books before. And I want to see a bit more of of Cardiac's story in this. So we'll see how that goes in future comics. Tony is not having a good time in these comics. He gets the crap Mm. beaten out of him. Yeah. He's got to claw his way back up, you know. He's, like he said, finding himself. But at least he's not drunk. There you go. Always that's a plus. In, that's important. Marvel Comics, Iron Man 1 and 2. And and Alex Ross's uh, wraparound covers for these, for this mm. one, is great. You know, you get all the battle stuff. Ooh, yeah, the art is very, very cool. Yeah. Moving on um, to Arrow. Now, that says, what's this got to do with Iron Man? Well, recently Tony guest starred in these. Now, Arrow's a Chinese action superhero, superhero series. It's written by Zhao Lifan, 
and drawn by artist Keng. And this has been going since 2019. And Ooh. this is a, a joint publication by NetEase with Marvel Worldwide. So Ooh. this is a bit of a precursor to Marvel's Agents of Atlas comic book, which mm-hmm. starred essentially Asian superheroes, including the Monkey King. So, you know, anything is possible. This one is set in Shanghai. It introduces the character of Aero, uh, whose real name is uh, Lei Ling, and she's a, a young architect. And this is, you can already figure out why she gets involved with Tony Stark. He comes over to do a project in Shanghai, you know. Mm-hmm. And the, the artwork. The rest is history. Yeah, the rest is her story because she's the main character. And the artwork is actually quite lyrical. You know, even mm. the title, Arrow, is written mm. with curly cues. <laughs> and, and that's very descriptive of her powers too because she's able to uh, fly using control of the air currents. She can manipulate those as, as energy blasts. She can read chi. Oh, okay. Yeah. And these are all translated into English by Greg Pack. And these um, stories are quite complicated. She's fighting her mentor, who's, who has become her enemy, Madame Huang. And what's happening is that these crystal towers are erupting from the ground all over Shanghai, and Tony and Aero have to fight them. And it's great stuff, really. Stark actually makes a pretty good mentor. You wouldn't think it. <laughs> Maybe it's more of a... Don't do what I do. Mm, mm, mm. Learn from my mistakes type thing. Yeah. But it's it's a great little comic book, and I think there's about three or four uh, ones where Stark guest stars in it. And I, ju- I just enjoyed them, and I really like the artwork in them too. It's got a very a very Asian, if I can use that portmanteau sort of term, feel to it, mm. uh, if you're familiar with uh, manga comic books and Chinese comic books too, which is a different kettle of fish. Mm-hmm. Um, it will it will it will tickle your fancy if that's what you're after. Arrow, and these are the issues where Iron Man guest stars, but it's a complete comic in itself beyond that. Over to Tony's regular shots in the Avengers comic books, Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Uh, now, all of these do, of course, bear the masthead, Rest in Power, Chadwick Boseman, 1976 to 2020. And on the back, they all have feature artwork about the actor... Yeah. And the character, it is, isn't it? Black Panther and Chadwick. And this particular issue does actually feature the Black Panther, Mm -hmm. who who is in battle with uh, Moon Knight, which is kind of the Marvel Comic Universe equivalent of Batman, Mm -hmm. or at least one of them. (laughs) There's another character called Strife who's very much like them too, and and others as well. Uh, And this is the Age of Khonshu story arc, which is just wrapping up now in the Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes comics. Uh, the Avengers are battling against Khonshu, the Egyptian god of the moon, hence Moon Knight's involvement. And in these issues, uh, all of the Avengers are battling Moon Knight. They're also fighting the evil influence of Mephisto, one of the mm-hmm. one of the gods of hell. Yep. And Captain Marvel and Tony Stark are trying to save the Star Brand, which is coming in from cosmic space. And it's actually a little baby with ex- extraordinary powers. And Tony has to actually carry him around in a in a front pack, this little mm-hmm. baby. 
So essentially, Stark is reduced to a babysitter for most of these comics. <laughs> sort of been a good segue into our next segment after this. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and Howard Stark makes an appearance as well as uh, She-Hulk, Blade, Ghost Runner, and of course Black Panther, because Black Panther is actually kind of the leader of the Avengers at the moment. So there you go. <laughs> there is one more comic just to get into before we leave the world of Tony Stark, and that's uh, Avengers Empire. That's oh. Empire with a E M P R of E M P Y R E. That's that's been a big, huge story arc crossovers across all the comics in the Marvel universe. The Kree and the Skrull were united to fight against the Kotati plant people on Earth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Fantastic Four were drawn into it. Everybody was in there. Wow. But this is a nice issue. This is the aftermath, and it's it's the uh, the wedding issue. Oh, this is like the equivalent of them getting shawarma after the fight. <laughs> yeah, where the Emperor Hulkling, of the Kree skull combined forces is marrying his long-term partner, uh, his boyfriend actually. So this is a gay wedding and it's just a splendid thing. They do wedding issues quite well in the Marvel Universe when they had the one with um, Ben Grimm and Alyssa Masters recently, or Alicia Masters. I'm not quite sure how you pronounce it. Maybe Alyssa Alyssa is the right way. Uh, and, of course, everybody is there from uh, Ben Grimm to, which is to say, The Thing, uh, Thor, Captain America, The Fantastic Four, everybody that you would have at a, at a, at a big Marvel universe, even Squirrel Girl is there wearing a tuxedo. Aww. A tuxedo trimmed with, with fur. <laughs> so I just enjoyed this. It was just such a, a charming bit of, of affirmative action and romance and, you know, they just do it so well. Uh, and there's this great little exchange, um, the superhero group, the young superhero group called the Runaways. Mm-hmm. Um, they have had some trouble recently and several of the other t- uh, young Avengers-type teams have also had some difficulties, including the one that uh, involves Miss Marvel, the champions. Mm-hmm. So Cap... Captain America and Tony Stark are talking about them and, and Cap's a bit worried and he says to Tony, look, maybe if we'd mentored them from the start, maybe if we'd trained them, and mm. Tony adds, maybe if we'd registered them. <laughs> now that's a whole can of worms mm. in the MC- Marvel Universe. In the MCU it led to the Civil War. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Cap looks at Tony, Tony smirks, and Cap waves his finger and says, let's not go there, Tony. That's <laughs> <laughs> in Empire Aftermath, uh, written by Al Ewing and artist is Valerio Schitti with colour artist Marta Gracia. And I always like to mention the letterer, VCs Arania Ma, Empire Aftermath. Just a lot of fun. <laughs> So there we are with Tony catching up with Tony Stark. Not actually dead yet in the MCU continuity. Not not for another couple of years yet. We're still in the snap zone in real time. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go, catching up there. Well, let's have a track here. I'm feeling I feeling like I need to have a little bit of a, a calm down after that because whenever I start talking about Iron Man, I get very hyper. I need some time out. I need to go and drink some hot rod red cordial. And I found this. 
on an album called Rockabye Baby, which oh, is goodness. <laughs> lullaby renditions of Black Sabbath. <laughs> so we'll play you a bit of this, and it's the Iron Man song done as this ridiculous lullaby. But I think it's what I probably need to calm down now after all of the events. Maybe maybe Donald Trump could actually benefit from listening to this. <laughs> I'm Terry Pratchett, the undeservedly famous author of the Discworld novels, so you can believe me when I say that Zero G on 3 R is the finest science fiction and fantasy show this side of the black stump. I also think Dibbler's delicious pork sausages are the finest eating anywhere, anywhere in the world, so you know you can trust me on this. Ha 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 ha, with three exclamation marks. Oh, big yawn there. Yeah. Tiny Tony needs to go to bed now. <laughs> <laughs> that was from the Rockabye Baby album, which is lullaby renditions of Black Sabbath. And, of course, it was Iron Man. Only on Zero G. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. We just, felt, <laughs> we just felt that I needed a bit of a calm down there after having mm, mm, mm. rabbited on about or robbited on about Iron Man for a little bit while. Okay, all right, now uh, from Iron Man to the Iron Mandalorian, mm. or at least mm. the Beskar Steel Mandalorian. We're in Season 2 of mm-hmm. John Favreau's extraordinarily fine science fiction Western samurai Star Wars drama, mm-hmm. comedy. <laughs> uh, I have sad news. Pedro Pascal, who plays... Jin Jarin, the Mandalorian of the title, mm-hmm. is in hospital with back strain. Oh dear! From carrying the entire Star Wars franchise on his shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> nah, he's doing fine. <laughs> Although he must be ashamed to show his face. <laughs> I love this series, The Mandalorian. Yeah. It is so good. Uh, he's he's taken it on the road that now though, taking who, who what we will call Baby Yoda because mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. become the custom off world, off the planet where they originally started on, and off to try and find the Mandalorians as well as Baby Yoda's own people, whoever they may be. Actually, looking at Baby Yoda, it's possible that he's a scroll. <laughs> he's he's green. He's got big pointy ears. Bit of a chin, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Appalling dining habits too. Oh, it's, yeah, but so cute. Oh. We've watched a couple of episodes in, which is on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Season two. Season two. Uh, they're doing them one week, uh, one episode per week. Yeah. So, yeah. I like that. I'm into it. It takes me back to ye olde days of, what, five to ten years ago, and I like having to wait because I I had two to watch in a row because I hadn't sort of watched the first one the first week, but now I kind of like that I can wait and enjoy the next one when it's released late next week. Hmm. Well, I, I was impressed with the, the two episodes that we've seen so far, mm-hmm. and how much do we want to spoil it? 
I think we shouldn't, especially because of this week-to-week format. I think some people might not be keeping up and they might sit down, say, in a week or two and try and catch up on everything. So I think let's keep it spoiler-free because it is fresh, um, very fresh series. So let's say as little as possible, I I reckon. Okay. Well, first off, there's a lot of callbacks to original Star Wars in this. So many callbacks. And I'm I'm grateful to that because – I'm not a big fan of the latest Star Wars movies. (laughs) But the one thing I will say to piggyback onto that, though, is if you're unfamiliar with Star Wars or you weren't sure about this series because you're not a quote-unquote Star Wars person, you really need to know very little about that universe and about all the canon stuff to enjoy this for what it is. Because I do think while there's a lot, it's very rich for fans, there is a lot here for just a casual viewer to get out of it. And it does stand on its own two feet, Um, very sturdy two feet without you don't worry too much if you don't know much or haven't really seen those films. I think there's, it's very, uh, very capable of doing its own thing. I would suggest that at minimum uh, this would be, mandatory to watch you would need to have watched obviously the first season of the mandalorian yes of course yes i would i would dare say that you would have to have watched the original star wars movie i think you could get away with i think you can get away with not having watched it and still enjoy this but then you wouldn't get the 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 main one of the main tropes in this of having the baby yoda character you know, so um, it's kind of important to it. I I do think, though, that there's enough in the cultural consciousness that okay. you know Yoda, whether you've – but you're right. I think I think you would get much more out of it if you at least watched the first original, very first film. I agree. But I reckon Yoda and even baby Yoda himself now is so famous that you will kind of grasp onto that anyway. Okay. But we do encourage you to watch the first film uh, because I have friends who have not watched those films and they really enjoy this series. So okay. I just – yeah. Oh, I, I stand bemused. <laughs> <laughs> get, we'll get out of the bemused triangle here. Um, yeah, look, uh, first three Star Wars movies and the Mandalorian series uh, for season one, that's, you know, I think that's kind of getting down into what you want to have under your belt. You could skip all those other ones. Oh, yeah, skip those anyway. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so uh, we are on a planet that is familiar to Star Wars fans. So there will be callbacks to that. And I feel like they've set this up. Mando is still trying to avoid being captured by other bounty hunters who want Baby Yoda. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's not an easy thing to do. He is trying to find his Mandalorian fellow, I would almost say cultists, (laughs) let's say other, other people who make wearing armour a religion, and that can lead him up some back alleys and and wrong alleys as well. But he's also trying to ultimately find Yoda's people, baby Yoda's people. And he isn't actually, I should have, it is actually not baby Yoda. No, no, we... We can call it the child is probably what its proper name is meant to be. But, yes, just to be clear, it is not a baby Yoda. It just looks like one. But it could be Yoda's baby. Exactly. It could be any kind of mishmash of Yoda Yoda adjacent characters. It's not only callbacks, of course, to the original Star Wars movies, but to the other ones as well, and also to the various animated series, Mm -hmm. especially Clone Wars and so on. 
So Favreau's a fan. You can tell. Yeah, he he knows his stuff. He's written most of the episodes that they make. He's very into this material and he can show that he's he's using it correctly, I feel. I will tell you that Timothy Oliphant is in the first episode. <sighs> he is the best. Yeah. If he wasn't already a favourite, he should be now. I think he's fantastic in everything and I was so tickled that he was in this and, yeah, I just love him. And he plays a law enforcement officer. <laughs> a sheriff, if you will. Uh, once again. <laughs> He's, yeah. Yeah. he. You know, I mean, I already knew that he was a great dramatic actor from Deadwood, but mm-hmm. seeing him in Santa Clarita Diet. Yeah. The comedy stuff he can do. Equally well. He's amazing. Yeah. So the, the first episode we're not telling you too much about it, It involves an encounter with a rather serious monster. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Having a a nod and a wink to Dune. Yes. Yes. As well as to, and this is is something I've actually noticed in some of the Mandalorian episodes, they they actually set up Roadrunner Coyote gags within these first two episodes. Oh, it's, oh. I, I really wish I could talk about it, but it would spoil things immensely if I did. But, yeah, there's one in the first episode, one in the second episode, and they just cacked me up. They're beautifully timed, executed, with some of the most spectacular effects I've ever seen in the whole Star Wars universe, mm-hmm. really. Uh, and yeah. you just learn so much about the, the ongoing character of the Mandalorian by the way he, he, he acquits himself in these situations. And there's more tropes in the second one which key off Mm. a particular franchise in science fiction horror as well as as well as being creepy in their own right. (laughs) So the Mandalorian spaceship, it just gets a crap beaten out of it yet again in this this season. So yeah, Mandalorian season two, I think they're doing a jolly good job once again. John Favreau is kicking all the goals there are. Padro, <laughs> he is just so good as the Mandalorian. His body English is note perfect. There are so many good callbacks to Star Wars that I can't count them all. Easter eggs and all sorts of other strange eggs. Oh, and I recommend that after you've watched episode two of The Mandalorian, then you watch the the uh, episode four, I think, of Star Trek Discovery because there's a similarity between scenes in that where they've got underground warm springs pools. And it's actually hilarious if you kind of think of uh, the characters being transposed or something like that. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe that's only me. Anyway, we're in a different world now, it feels like, and that's not all that unusual for Zero-G. What did you think about the season two Mandalorian Megan I was sort of a bit cautious because I was worried uh I loved season one I was like okay where are they going to take this I hope they really start with momentum and I mean they dropped him and the Oliphant on me and then uh the pace was great I really loved the little mini stories for the first two episodes and just the mood of the whole thing is perfect like I love a good space western and I think this one just hits the nail on the head I want to see more. I wouldn't mind if they unwrapped more of the baby Yoda mystery, like what's up with the child, and maybe a little more about um, about that. 
But overall, I'm really, I'm still really loving. It. I think it's exceptional. I think it's a good series, and it's even better that it's a great Star Wars series. So, uh, definitely keen to keep watching this one. And I'm really, I think John Favreau has it nailed. So, yeah, I think we're in agreement. This is a show that's that's got legs, Beskar steel clad legs, and I think it's going to continue to do well at least for the rest of this season. I feel like they've they've found their focus a bit more now. And if they just keep doing those funny gags in this, oh, I'm there all the way. Well done, John Favreau and everybody in The Mandalorian once again. All right, so we'll go out with a track. I was going to play um, David Bowie's uh, I'm Afraid of Americans, but I'm a little less afraid of them now. Quite honestly, I'm just kind of anxious to move on. So roll on January 20th when Mr. Trump will be just played Mr. Trump from now on. Um, I think actually... He has made America great again just by pissing off, basically. <laughs> so I want Absolutely. to move on, and so we'll have David Bowie moving on, move on in a new, from a new career in a new town album. And this is the Tony Visconti remix. Thank you, Megan. Thank you, Rob. And thanks to Kayla Larson, our podcaster. Joe Brunatic coming up next with Astral Glamour. G'day, this is Rob Jan. Thanks for listening to the podcast at Triple R's Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website.